0: Listening to Rattle and Pedal, diversion thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Your hosts are Jason Maliki and Jeff McKay.
1: So, audience, you're probably wondering why my voice is coming on first and not Jason who normally opens the show. Well, Jason isn't here with us today. His daughter has a big tennis tournament and he was unable to make it, sends his regrets, but we parents know what it means when our kids are performing uh, what they love to do. So our thoughts are with Jason and his daughter and hope she comes home a winner. On a selfish side, I am kind of glad he's not here because we're covering one of my favorite topics and we have an incredible guest today. Today, we're going to be talking about the subject of conscious leadership. Conscious leadership is a topic that comes from a book called The 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership. A friend of mine turned me on to this book and I was hooked. And I think you're really going to enjoy the show because you're going to get a feel for the types of concepts and approaches to life that really shape who I am and who Jason will be after he listens to this episode. But anyway, we have as a guest today, Dolores Stevens from Conscious Leadership Group. Welcome, Dolores.
2: Thank you, Jeff. I'm so excited to join you today and have a conversation about some of my favorite topics as well.
1: Well, you know what's going to be really great, Jameson's not here, so we are not going to have to limit it to 35 minutes. Maybe we can we can keep going for an hour. It'll be fun. How about if we jump in? So, Dolores, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Thanks, Jeff. Well, first of all, I'm really excited to be here with you today. I work as an executive coach with the Conscious Leadership Group, and I, uh, in particular, work with a lot of startup leaders, founders, and entrepreneurs. Prior to coaching, I worked in the startup world for almost a decade and uh, at companies like WeWork, so really high-growth high companies, another company called Hello Alfred, and a smaller company called Case that was more of a tech consultancy. And so I have some I think I have some great perspective that might appeal to your listeners from the standpoint of you know what it's like to build and scale companies and to support, you know, sales teams, marketing teams and so on to build at a at a high clip pace.
1: So I have two questions for you. Yeah. What is it about these startups that interests you so much that you first that you are attracted to them and then and two, why did you stick around and, and keep going to other ones? What What is it about them that attracts yeah. you?
2: Oh, great question. I love the entrepreneurial spirit that you can find at many companies, not only startups, but this kind of blazing a new path and a desire to see something new created in the world. I just find that infinitely exciting. And I also, you know, in working with a lot of these companies, you know, There's a lot of fear that's present as you're trying to create something that's never existed before or hasn't existed in that particular way. And so, you know, a lot of startup leaders are dealing with a lot of uncertainty that, you know, tends to, we tend to get a little bit triggered as humans when we're dealing with uncertainty. So that's where, while I love that space, I also find kind of the the inner game really fascinating, which is where conscious leadership comes in to kind of help you grapple with that sense of uncertainty and, and what you want to bring forth.
1: You know, it's so funny that you talk about fear in, in entrepreneurs, because when I think of entrepreneurs, I think of these courageous human beings that just, you know, riding on their horses into the battle, you know, attacking the dragon, no fear whatsoever. We're going to come back to that topic because I think it's, it's so interesting. So let's talk to the audience a little bit about what conscious leadership is. Let's, let's ground them in some of the concepts of conscious leadership.
2: Okay, great. So conscious leadership offers a framework for thinking about our own kind of inner context and how we relate to the world around us. And so one element of this framework is this idea of, you know, there's the external things happening in our life or the content of our life. So you could think of you know, how you're relating to a client or what's going on, what the client is asking of you. And then you have your inner context, how you're feeling or reacting in relation to the content of your life. And to explore that inner game, that inner context, we like to offer a really simple diagram. If you imagine a horizontal line at any moment as humans, (laughs) we're either in a above the line, state of mind or frame of reference, and we're, we're feeling open, curious, playful. There's a real sense of creativity available. Or we're below the line, feeling reactive. We might feel some contraction in our body and a little bit, a sense of threat. And that word threat might sound really dramatic, but the reality is as humans, we're designed to be on the lookout for how things might go wrong or how we might not get our needs met. So we're you know, from an evolutionary perspective, really good at getting reactive (laughs) so that we can ensure our needs are met. So we spend most of our time below the line. And the conscious leadership framework really supports people to get familiar with their own flavors of reactivity, what tends to, you know, trigger and and create a little bit of an inner spiral or uh, inner drama, we could call it
1: the way this is described is what hooked me on conscious leadership. The living above the line or below the line was a slap upside the head for me, but it was consistent to another kind of spiritual tool that that I was using in my personal life. And our listeners have heard me talk about this before, but the Enneagram Mm. and this idea that our personalities are driven by some fear or a fear of not meeting a need really resonated with me, you know, from a spiritual perspective, but also even from a marketing perspective, right? Mm-hmm. That, that we're, we're speaking to these unmet needs when we're marketing to people. But the above the line and, and below the line really struck me because in the Enneagram, one of the dimensions of, of that tool is this levels of and path of integration and mm-hmm. disintegration. And to me, that was the whole thrust of that tool in helping me grow up, if you will.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And above the line and below the line really speaks to that that path of integration and, and disintegration. So right. I digress. We're not going to talk about the Enneagram in depth today. but that really resonated with me. So concept number one is living above the line or below the line, which is really important. And we'll come back to that topic.
2: And Jeff, I'd love to add just, I love that you brought up the Enneagram because it's a really, really valuable tool for developing that self-awareness. And I think also, at any moment, we'll find ourselves above or below the line. We're often flickering between that state of openness or state of feeling closed off, resistant. And so, thinking about the levels within the Enneagram, you know, we might, like through this work of tuning into where am I, Where what's my inner context here, we can actually start to shift how we Show up in the world. What level of reactivity is showing up with us?
1: It's so key. I, I just feel like I'm constantly below the line.
2: You're in good company.
1: <laughs> I'm constantly below the line. All right. So that's concept number one. Concept number two. What is that?
2: So we like to connect, uh, you know, this above and below the line concept to, you know, ways of showing up as a leader. So they're kind of, and and this is pulling from a bigger framework, but there are four ways we could show up. We can show up in kind of a, a to me state of mind. That would be the below the line state of mind. And it's when there's a sense that life is happening to me. It's a state of victimhood that we just tend to default to, you know, as we're below the line and, you know, feeling that reactivity. And when we're above the line, we show up in a by me state of mind. So it's I make life happen. I kind of take responsibility for the results I'm getting and am capable of influencing how life shows up or how, li- how the content of my life goes. There's also a couple more levels beyond that the idea of being in a through me state of mind, really cooperating with life and feeling this kind of integration. And then an as me state of mind, kind of which I think of as almost more like reaching a level of a little bit of enlightenment or a sense that there's just a real interconnectivity between everything. So there are these four levels of leadership. And what we really are striving for is to support people in embracing that by me and beyond state of mind.
1: So we have to me Mm -hmm. where we tend to be a victim -hmm. Victim mentality. I was done wrong to by me. Where call it a strong locus of control. I'm internal locus of control. Mm -hmm. I'm going to set the tone. I'm I'm a driver. I'm going to change these outcomes through me. Which we kind of I don't know. Go with the flow. cooperate, you know, Hey, these are the circumstances I have. This is where I am. This is what is, and I'm going to roll with it.
2: I think that next level, there's also kind of a sense of, you know, what wants to be created, not exclusively going with the flow. There might be some, you know, surrender to what are the circumstances and a real facing of what is, but there's also a sense of like, well, what, you know, now that I've faced what is, what do I want to create And so I think that's, you know, tapping into, yeah, like the the ingenuity of the human spirit with that through me state of mind. Would that
1: be kind of similar to the third way, you know, your way, my way, the third way?
2: Yeah, I think that's a beautiful idea. There's a concept that we talk about within conscious leadership of a win for all. Mm
0: -hmm. And so
2: to really hold this openness that, yeah, there might be a third way. There might be a way that, you know, kind of really creates a win for all that everybody in the situation can leave feeling really excited about the prospects of the decision.
1: All right, good, good. And then the fourth one is as me, which... I'm just going to say right now, I don't see myself ever getting there, but now yeah. that I know you, I might.
2: Yeah, I think that there's a part of the what I love about the simplicity of the model, am I above or below the line, is it just really lets us kind of sink into and make space for all that's below the line. In some ways, you know, we think that the goal is to shift or that was certainly my thought when I first started this work is like, oh, I want to get to being above the line. But actually being with awareness and self-acceptance in that below the lines framework, actually, there's a ton of learnings there. So some of this shift process happens organically once you just dig into where am I and coming into the to me. So that's that's where all the gold is, I like to say.
1: It really is. You know, I, I read another book called The Way to Love by Anthony DeMello, and it was the book that taught me how to be self-aware. And if you don't have self-awareness and self-awareness on a deep level, you miss out on on almost everything.
2: Yeah, there's a beautiful, like a. it's a ripe playground when you're willing to look inwards and and discover this. Yeah. Self-awareness, how you show up in the world, what our blind spots are. We all have blind spots and patterns we fall into patterns of thinking. So yeah, self-awareness can be a real gift to yourself and to others.
1: That's for sure. To me, by me, through me, as me. Okay. We're living above the line or below the line. Is, Is that all the base concepts?
2: Yeah, those are some of our core concepts. Okay. There's one more piece here I want to highlight, which is how fear plays into that. We were talking earlier about the, you know the entrepreneur, which I agree there's a lot of bravery and valiance in that that's required of that profession. And there's also a lot of uncertainty and fear that comes with blazing a new path. And so fear is kind of a, in some ways with that, am I above the line? in a, you know, by me state of mind, or am I below the line in a to me state of mind? The question might be also, am I in a state of trust from above the line, or am I state of fear? Am I am I driven by fear right now? And fear is just an emotion. It's a really important feeling for us to tune into it. It invites us to learn and to kind of focus. So it's a really valuable emotion to be in touch with. And it can really hold us back and it can begin that spiral of kind of drama internally. So I just wanted to to highlight that, the kind of connection back to fear.
1: I think this is a, and maybe this is projection, Dolores. <laughs> <laughs> it may very well be projection, but my sense in the world of professional services, so much of the bad behavior that that I see, in these firms is driven by fear. Mm. And when I say bad behavior, I don't necessarily mean Machiavellian types of behaviors. I'm talking about that ability to step out into the unknown, take some risk Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: challenge oneself, one's peers, one's clients, which to me is is where all the growth happens, right? But the fear of being wrong is a really big one in professional services of, I think, this being less than, right? Because these are hierarchical entities. Mm -hmm. I'm a partner. You're not a partner. You know, legitimate authority or or not drives fear. This not making a mistake is, Mm -hmm. is another one. Perfectionism, if you will. Can you talk a little bit about the different types of fear, and how it gets in the way of leaders being effective at what they're tasked with doing?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. And I think you're drawing out a really important point here that, you know, we are often driven by fear. (laughs) So when I said, you're in good company, being below the line, I'm really, I think, I'm not sure where the statistic comes from, but it's something like 95% of people are below the line at any given moment. And I like to use that as a reminder for myself. I'm below the line, likely 95% of the time. Wow. And so there's a, a freedom in knowing that, that like, okay, so now I can just explore how am I below the line and what is this you know flavor of fear that that's showing up? We have um, to support people in locating themselves. Where am I right now, above or below the line? We have a really simple handout that highlights some of the ways that we discover that we're below the line. So we often have, you know, there are kind of statements, behaviors, beliefs that that's you know tie to a below the line state of mind, and that could include, you know, sometimes I'll catch myself saying things. The statements might be something like, "Well, I'm trying." confused, they don't get it, so we could blame others in the process. And, you know, some of the beliefs underpinning that might look like they're doing it wrong, or there's a right way and a wrong way to do do something, this perfectionism trap that we often fall into. So I think you're highlighting some really common ways that we fall below the line. And I guess whenever I find myself with right-wrong thinking, kind of a black and white thinking, that's a great signal. Oh, I'm just falling below the line here. And I'm thinking there's a right way. Something's at threat here for me <laughs> in, internally. And so that's a yeah great signal. We're just below the line.
0: You're listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on growing your professional services firm. Your hosts are Jason Malicki, principal of Rattleback, the marketing agency for professional services firms, and Jeff McKay, former CMO and founder of strategy consultancy, Prudent Pedal. If you find this podcast helpful, please help us by telling a friend and rating us on iTunes. Thank you. Now back to Jason and Jeff.
1: So, Dolores, there are listeners have probably been through leadership training Mm. they've they've taken a disc or the myers-briggs or colby or some kind of personality test that says here's your personality and as a result you need to lead like this or you need to be aware of these characteristics of that personality how does Conscious leadership differ from those types of tools and approaches when it comes to being an effective leader.
2: Yeah, that, that's a great question. I think this framework really sets up kind of an ongoing investigative process for the individual to keep returning to, to keep checking in and developing a deeper, like you mentioned before, self of uh, sense of self-awareness. So I think it's really all in the practice and the kind of regular returning to these questions and these tools. It requires kind of a, a certain level of self-honesty and a willingness to kind of take, you know, responsibility for for what you're seeing show up. But we tend to get really tactical, you know, in a in a coaching session and maybe that's not the right word. It's specific. What's the issue we're working on here? And so yeah, we're just kind of diving right into kind of what what is a core issue, and then working through that issue to discover to deepen that sense of self-learning.
1: You you know, as you were saying that, I, I go back to the Enneagram, which some people might define as a personality assessment. Yeah, the gist of of the Enneagram, there are nine personalities, but really that makes up all of humanity, and we have all parts of those personalities. In us, mm-hmm. we just gravitate towards one particular approach to get our needs met. Yes. And, and to me, that's, that's one of the, the powerful things about conscious leadership is we're not hung up on pigeonholing ourselves as, you know, I'm a driver or I'm an influencer. I'm a person, Right. And, mm-hmm. and I'm acting a certain way right now, versus mm. oh, I'm just a D. I'll always be a D. Therefore, yeah. I'll manage my D. If if we're talking about a disc, and that 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 to me is I don't know. It's it's stifling. That's suffocating to me. Yeah,
2: yeah. There is something really in some ways. The enneagram is an invitation to it's a way that we can kind of soften our default approaches and develop more freedom within it. So as, and just for for anyone out there that knows Enneagram, I'm a type three and a little more of an achiever type. And, and so as I gain awareness with that, I can create more freedom. Oh, do I, am I just going to default to that, those triggers and those patterns, or, you know, do I want to try a different way of being with the issue? There's a high side to every personality type, every archetype within the Enneagram. And then there are, you know, the the challenging sides of, of each archetype. And so, You know, that that self-awareness really creates a lot of freedom. And I think this process, conscious leadership, really supports waking up to the ways that we default. We kind of fall back into our typical patterns.
1: Let's do what you said. Let's get specific. Great. Let's let's apply some of these concepts to everyday kind of examples we're getting ready to plan for 2023 in a lot of firms, right? So you're bringing a lot of agendas into a room, fighting for resources. There's a lot of stress as people try to finish out the year on a good note, plan for next year. And everybody wants to look good. Everybody wants to be, you know, well, not everybody. There are people that want to be the power players or whatever. Okay,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. so if I'm a managing partner, how do I enter into that morass, if you will? Yeah. Okay. Number one is you don't define it as a morass. I know you're <laughs> going to say that.
2: <laughs> no, no, I think that's great. I think you really set it up and and cap- captured a lot of the sentiment I think people feel as they go into you know a planning process like that, even just that tuning into, oh, there's a sense of scarcity of resources, right? That's a great below-the-line signal, that sense of scarcity, or the sense like you got to get your dukes up because you're going to fight, you know, like you got to fight for those resources, great signals that, you know, maybe there's some below-the-lineness going into a planning process. And so, I think that's a great invitation for listeners to tune into, is that how I'm approaching this? So, one way we apply you know, this concept is through a series of, you know, four questions and four questions of conscious leadership. And I've mentioned at least two of them already, but I liked how you said, you know, let's get specific. So I think what I'd invite a listener to do is to say, okay, what's the core issue? What's the, in one out breath, what's the thing that's really concerning you or irking you about this planning process? And so the issue might be, I have to fight for my resources. I'm not going to get enough resources. Let's say that's kind of what jumping out. That's what, you know, I heard one way of phrasing what you described. And so, so if that's our core issue, you can check in. The first question of conscious leadership is where am I? Am I above or below the line? And we already started to notice, okay, there's some below the line thinking around this. I have to fight for my resources. And then the next question is, am I willing to accept myself here below the line, feeling some threat or fear? This is a big step in and of itself. A lot of us want to say yes from the head up. Oh, yeah, yeah. I accept. I get it. I'm afraid. <laughs> right? uh-huh. and, and actually... Acceptance, self-acceptance is like this more of a, a little more of a somatic experience. So in the coaching process we often slow down and, and really check in, do we have a whole body yes around accepting ourselves? And we could just start with checking, am I willing to acknowledge that I'm scared, that there's some fear around the planning process? I might not get the resources I need. And then we can check in, am I willing to allow myself to feel the the fear? And and then, you know, see if there's availability for acceptance and sometimes there is and sometimes there isn't but that level of awareness noticing oh i'm i'm in a state of threat and that level of personal self acceptance beginning of the whole ball game <laughs> to mm-hmm. to even being able to be with the issue from a slightly more enlightened perspective
1: i would think in in that situation again this is probably projection on my part leaders are beating themselves up Mm. Right, I shouldn't feel this way i right. I should yeah. be I
2: that, yeah
1: yeah i i I should be another way, so let me get out of this place real quick, and it's almost like shoving trying to shove somebody yourself out of the situation where the leadership thing to do is to let somebody just sit in that right,
0: yeah. maybe yeah. sit
1: next to them and just say. Yeah, you're feeling a little fearful, but I find the hardest thing for me is not being judgmental of myself when I'm in that state, mm. wanting to get out of it as soon as possible.
2: Yeah, Jeff, you're touching in on one of the big things that stops us from being able to find self acceptance, and it's that internal blamer or critic, that you know, kind of self-judgment that shows up. Something we didn't touch on yet, but... A tool that we use often in this framework is to really dive into the drama triangle that exists Mm. in all of us when we are below the line. There are kind of three flavors of victimhood. So we can show up, our internal monologue can take on the flavor of either villain, so blaming and judging ourselves or others, victim, you know, kind of complaining and feeling like everything's happening, kind of you're at the effect of everything that's happening, or hero, which is really all about seeking temporary relief, not really digging in to solve it for the long term, but just kind of finding a quick out or comfort, you know, see, yeah, seeking temporary relief. So what I hear you saying is that there's a villain in you that shows up that kind of blames yourself that's stopping the availability for self-acceptance. And that is really common in high achievers. And really all of us as you know humans, we have a lot of self-critique that shows up. And, and that gets in the way of us being fully available you know, to look at a situation creatively and openly.
1: So when as high achievers, I throw myself in that group only because yeah. you did it for me. When we get into that, that situation, how can we get out of it and be effective? Because, you know, the people listening to this podcast are, they're all leaders, right? And they manage teams and they manage in very complex matrix environments. And, you know, that in and of itself is, is hard. But when you're having this, Tortured drama triangle, as you call it. I love that. Yeah. Drama triangle going on in your head. How do you get out of it?
2: Yeah. So really the doorway we walk through first is that level of awareness, noticing, okay, I'm internally triggering myself. This isn't really about what's going on out there. I'm scared internally. So developing some awareness of where you are. And then the doorway we walk through is through that self-acceptance. And this is I really like to think of it as a practice to, you know, this, it's really takes some time, you know, depending how comfortable you are getting vulnerable with yourself, noticing, but that level of fear, but yeah, it just takes some time to kind of develop that self-acceptance, self-compassion for the fear that shows up. And when you do start to experience that release, like, like the, I mentioned it as almost like a somatic relief, like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm just a human who got scared. That's okay. <laughs> I'm allowed to get scared. Like as soon as I, that you have that more availability around that, then we get to start to look at, you know, what are the ways I'm keeping myself in this drama? And we can start to explore. This is the third question of conscious leadership. Am I willing to shift? Am I willing to start to see this from a different point of view? And the first kind of, question around that is to explore, am I willing to take my full 100% responsibility? No more, no less. Am I willing to give up blame and criticism? And then we get to check in, okay, am, am I willing to do that? And a lot of times, like I have a big internal critic <laughs> that shows up and is very tough on me. I've got a perfectionist in me. Mm. And so sometimes the answer is no. I'm not willing to let go of that racket. That racket's serving me. I, I'm glad I have a perfectionist. And so now I've got to face my perfectionist that's getting mm. in the way of my ability to to see this situation differently. And so it's this kind of unfolding that happens through the process. And yeah, keep we continue to meet ourselves with ideally less self-judgment in the process.
1: And that's really the key. It comes back to self-awareness and being open to what's, happening, not judging it and just letting it kind of be.
2: Yes. Yeah. Being with what is. Yeah. With awareness and acceptance. That's exactly right. So
1: I hear Jason's voice echoing in my head. Jeff, we're at time. We're at time. (laughs) But I'm not going to end just yet. But we we do need to work towards rap. So I think somebody who's never heard of conscious leadership listening to this, there are there probably two people that are going, oh, that makes perfect sense. It's self-awareness. I'll jump into that. And others that are like, whoa, that's way too touchy-feely. I'm not going near that at all. Is there a certain type of leader that conscious leadership works better with than another? And if so, who? Or if, if it's more universal, it's just a matter of being open to it share that. I'd, I'd be curious. No.
2: Yeah. I would say it's one way of looking at life. So it's not for everybody in the sense that you really have to be willing to do some internal spelunking <laughs> and
0: discovery. <laughs> <laughs> discovery. Uh, yeah.
2: Yeah. Some internal spelunking and, and discovery of how you're creating, you know, the situations you're experiencing in life. So I appreciate when I, when somebody says, oh no, that." If that might not be for everybody, right? <laughs> to, to go inwards. But I will say that the, the gift, we work with a, a range of leaders, all different types of, en- all different enneagram types, all different, the way that a leader might show up in the world. We, we work with really big range. And the gift that you get when you are willing to kind of do some of this internal work to get a little bit more to square off with how you're creating your reality. It creates this tremendous amount of agency. So we really do find more availability to leave the state of victimhood and the state of to me thinking and be with our situation in new ways that feels lighter, more exciting, more, a little more available for life and for that you know, creativity and flow that comes with being in a by me state of mind.
1: Hmm. So it's for everybody, but you gotta open up you gotta That's the a, little sliver of yes, that. Some
2: desire for yeah. yeah for that internal exploration. yeah, I, I would say so.
1: So we have just scratched the surface of conscious leadership. The book is called Fifteen Commitments of Conscious Leadership, and we didn't even touch on any of the commitments. That's the big marketing tease for those <laughs> of you out there for another episode for sure. But we we need to to move to wrap if there's a leader listening today that just needs help getting through that big meeting today. What would you say to them?
2: Mm, I would. Yeah, I would invite, you know, a little bit of that internal exploration, um check-in, you know, where do you find yourself right now if you notice that? slightly contracted, triggered kind of state or a little bit of threat present, acknowledge it. And yeah, see if you can find a little self-acceptance for, you know, again, being a human that (laughs) is experiencing some threat, just touching in on that, even if it's just a breath of self-acceptance can really, you know, just create a little bit of spaciousness around the issue and continue to yeah check in throughout the day. Where am I? Am I willing to accept myself here? And it's really common if the answer is no, I'm not willing to accept myself. I shouldn't be feeling this way. Just notice that that's what's coming up for you. And makes extremely common and normal to contend with that. So, yeah.
1: Beware the drama triangle for sure. Yeah. So we need to wrap up. Thank you, Jason, for being the voice in, in my head. Dolores, if people want to learn more about conscious leadership or get into contact with you, how would they go about doing that?
2: So we have a great website with a ton of free resources, and you can find that at conscious.is. That IS. So I encourage you to check out some of the, we have some really great short videos and content there that can introduce these concepts or go a little bit deeper on some of these concepts. I also think the book is really wonderful. If it, that's how I first got introduced and and just kind of fell in love with the, the model. And if you want to reach out to me personally, you could find me on LinkedIn and just search Dolores Stevens with a V and you could maybe add conscious leadership, something like that. But I, I welcome direct messages and connecting with people that are, yeah, curious about this.
1: That's so cool. And I'll make sure we put links in the show notes to make that even easier for people to get in contact with you and in the Conscious Leadership Group if they are curious enough to do so. Great. Dolores, Thank thank you. And this has been great. I wish Jason could have joined us. He could benefit from some conscious leadership for sure, but he'll have to get his by listening like everybody else.
2: Great. Thank you so much, Jeff. It was a pleasure to spend time with you today. And yeah, look look forward to staying in touch.
0: Thank you for listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Find content related to this episode at rattleandpedal.com. Rattle and Pedal is also available on iTunes and Stitcher.